Hello and welcome to this episode of A Big Mouthful. My name's Simon and we're here to talk about suicide. Hopefully you'll have listened to the first episode in this series when I spoke to Dominic from If You Care Share to talk about the good work that they do. And also I provided you with lots of information and lots of stats about suicide rates in this country and I talked about why there is a greater instance of suicide and self-harming behaviours among the LGBTQ plus community. Well, I'm really thrilled and excited again for this episode because we've got that wonderful Dr. Helen Bolas again joining us. We're going to go straight into it for this episode without any preamble. So Helen, welcome back. Hi again, Simon. Lovely to have you back. Are you in a field? (laughs) I'm not. uh, You'll be pleased to know I do spend time indoors as well, not being hunted by midges. I'm actually sat at my desk. So continuing on with this theme of suicide, I thought it'd be really interesting to have a talk from a professional's perspective on the topic of suicide. I mean, you know and I know that a lot of the work that I do with people is helping them develop coping strategies and mechanisms to help them when they're feeling so overwhelmed, they feel the only options left for them is to not be here a lot of the time. Mm. And it's trying to help people use ways to prevent themselves from feeling that level of being overwhelmed. But I know that's just one one area that we can cover and one area that we provide support to what from your perspective as a psychologist what more can we be doing for people mm, well, I, I think that's that's no small fry is it no, helping no. people notice that there's um a risk um from being impulsive and i guess that really drills down to the root of when we are in a really extreme mental state where ending our lives, thoughts of suicide seem like the only solution that uh, it can sound glib, can't it? But it stems from that absolute knowledge that suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And I guess that's the the tack we take that... um, drives kind of how we support people who live with chronic suicidality so kind of lived with a long time with thoughts that they'd be better off dead that other people would or fleeting intense thoughts um of of taking their life is this um tenet i guess that it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem and that positions us as people that hold the hope for yeah. people when they're feeling pretty hopeless um so helping people um bring an awareness to um impulsive tendencies is a is a really important part of that giving people space yeah. for making sense of how they get in and out of that state of mind can be really helpful too. I know in our last conversation we talked a lot about um, supporting people to build their own narrative and their own story yes. and, and make sense of what's going on for them and I guess um, this is very similar that helping someone be heard be understood and develop their own understanding can be can be really helpful yeah. um, 
And going back to what you were just saying about it being a temporary thinking, thought, feeling process at that time, that that's an interesting concept that you don't hear talked about much. Can can you expand on that for us, please, Helen? Yeah, so the idea from from that comes um, from a respect that when people are feeling suicidal, when they have thoughts of ending their life, that oftentimes people tell us that that's their best solution mm. available to them at their that time they feel thwarted and boxed in and without other options mm. this isn't a set of thoughts that um kind of people take lightly um so there's often uh, a good deal of shame and stigma that keeps yep. people quiet when they're feeling suicidal uh, a worry that um people will mis- misunderstand them perhaps view them as um thinking only of themselves when mm. often um, it's a signal that people are so shut down thwarted, distressed defeated, hopeless low, fatigued yeah. that this is their their best answer yeah. and I guess a lot of mental health professionals sit in that position of wanting to respect where someone's at but also um, truly believing that people are always capable of change. Yes. Um, And that fits with where many, many, many mental health professionals situate themselves in thinking about suicide so that I can respect the person in front of me being in that position and I want to understand how they've got there and think that through with them but I'm unlikely to believe ever that that's the only one course of action open to them. Yes. Because I've got a hopefulness and a profound respect and the the delightful experiences over the years, seeing time and time again, people's strengths and resilience and resourcefulness in being able to make real shifts and changes even from the bleakest places. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've said that word again, haven't I? Absolutely. But it, it's true <laughs> what you're saying there. And I think what, what what's key to me amongst everything that you just said is helping people create that change for themselves. The last thing that I want to do as a practitioner is to turn around and say to people, oh, come on, you need to do this or you've got to do that. Because that's belittling everything that they're feeling and everything that they're experiencing at that time Mm. it's about helping them move forward from that and validating what they're feeling it's okay to feel sad it's okay to feel awful about that but let's see how we can reframe that and how we can help you move away from that point Mm. because that's so important isn't it and it can feel like that's not doing a lot yeah that really sitting alongside without judgment with a deep respect for how someone's come to be where they are. But that human to humanness is deeply powerful and communicates to people that they're not a burden and that there are options and that things can change. And I guess one of the things that we do in professional life is help people um, 
zoom in in their time frame. Yeah. So suicidal thoughts are um, often the ultimate answer to a problem in somebody's mind mm -hmm. at that time. So it's an ultimate resolution. And their view of the future is really constricted. It's mm -hmm. really limited. So often what we do is help people really zoom in to what do you need right now? Mm -hmm. And that can be as simple as, I'm really quite thirsty and I haven't eaten yet mm -hmm. today. Having something to eat would help me now. And that helps nudge and shape a perspective that supports someone to um, respond to valid needs yeah. that they've got and um, open up the conversation that there can be ways to feel different that aren't reliant on this um, ultimate solution of ending their life. And I guess that's the work that we do when we're supporting people in developing crisis plans. Yes. So either at the time because they're acutely distressed by their wish to die or wanting to act on that, or later down the line, after the fact, supporting someone to build an understanding of what can be helpful to them when they're in that position again, or how they can notice those early signs of getting into that very stuck state. Yeah. And I don't know what you find helpful in starting those those conversations, because I guess what we're doing there is really being with someone where they're at and then gently nudging away to a, a different position. Something that so, so, something that I talk about with people is it's kind of like the zooming in, but it's the zooming out as well, because mm. it's zooming in and focusing on what our needs are at that time. But it's also focusing out to to try to see a wider picture, because I use that. I think it's almost from that that problem cycle breaking that problem cycle between rumination and avoidance that we get into sometimes and it's all about instead of focusing on that one part that is really awful that makes us feel so bad that makes us feel that we shouldn't be here try to see the bigger picture by mm. focusing on that one thought we're making that thought bigger we're giving it power we're making it overwhelm us and it feels that it's totally out of control. But if we take a step back from that and try to see the wider picture of where we are and what's happening around us, then that that thought becomes a little bit smaller and allows maybe a little glimmer of something else to try to come in so that we can do something else with that thought rather than need to respond to it at that time. Mm. I'm I'm doing ums because I've actually been nodding furiously <laughs> while I'm I'm listening to you and I think oh I must have an audible response yeah because I like that language of zooming in and yeah. zooming out because psychologically we know that that stuckness yes comes from a constriction of thought yeah that our, our thinking really narrows in on yeah. a one thing and that that isn't accurate. So at any point in our mind, when we have that um, laser sharp certainty, yes, um, that that's a bit of a, a red flag that something's going on psychologically because um, most healthy thinking allows doubt 
and is able to look around itself yep. and think of other options yep. too. Um, this just reminds me of a conversation we had at a different point when we were thinking about um, supporting people gently to consider some of their kind of their hopes or their fantasies mm. for what life will be like after they're dead. Yep. Um, so very often um, there's these kind of two features to suicidal thinking at play and, and one is about perceived burdensomeness. <laughs> I really should learn how to say that properly. But kind of imagining yourself, believing yourself at that moment to be a burden, mm -hmm. a strain on other people and that by removing yourself you are being helpful to them. Yeah. And the other is this disconnectedness from from others in your life, feeling outside, feeling other feeling left behind, forgotten. And um, both of those are, are very restricted ways of, of thinking and often come with an idealized hope for what life will be like for people that we care about yeah. where we no longer around. Um, so that might go something like, uh, if I weren't around, my partner, friends, family would be much happier mm -hmm. because I just bring them down yep. and they feel rotten because I'm not getting any better or I'm not that much fun to be around at the minute or I cause a lot of problems in, in our shared lives together. And when I'm not there, they'll be able to be happy. They'll be able to do the things they want to do. Mm. So quite often because it's an attempt at a solution, people have an imagined state of what that solved state will look like. And because we've got this restricted way of thinking, we'll be honing in on what fits with the feelings that we've got at the time. Um, so then we'll not be so um, skilled or artful or able to um, as you say, look at that bigger picture to connect with that idea that um, if I were to die, people would feel desperately sad mm -hmm. and that that sadness is deep, that that is a wound to remove myself from their life, that that is a wound that um, lots of life events will trigger, like birthdays, anniversaries, um, shared activities that we used to do. So clinically, one of the things that we often work towards being able to do is hear those hoped for outcomes, those fantasies, if you like, about what ending someone's life would reveal and help them do that zooming out yeah. and that taking into account a more realistic, more accurate picture of what that would be like. And, um, we talked, didn't we, about the nuance in doing that because that comes from a position of helping someone expand their thinking yep. and build up positive resources to buffer them from suicidal thoughts and not from a position of judging or shaming someone but wanting to gently help them take a, a look afresh 
at this bigger picture and build a hopefulness about the positive connections that exist for them with other people in their life. All right, I'm just just sitting here thinking about this and I, I'm, I think I wanted the conversation not to be heavy, but it is heavy, isn't it? It's going to be a heavy conversation because we're talking about death and we're talking about people feeling that they need to take their own lives. And something that's just struck me, Helen, as well, it's such a, it's almost, it's almost like a privileged position to be there with somebody to help them and to sort that out with them. And that that's massive, isn't it? It is. It is. And it's, uh, um, it's, it genuinely is a privilege. Um, I'm kind of, uh, hearing those words and, and worried that they sound glib, <laughs> Um, but there is something very profound about being in that position in someone's life yeah. and um, being in the, the position to know that it's safe to ask yes. about suicide that, that knowing that by being direct and open that's what brings safety yeah. rather than um kind of fearing that by talking about suicide we, we plant a seed in someone's mind I, I know that's often the conversations I have with with folk in in my life kind of my family and and friends that kind of for the most part are good people who want to help other people mm-hmm. um, but have this kind of common sense belief that asking about dark things might take someone down a dark path. It's it's a relief for a lot of people to be able to have that opportunity to talk about that, though, isn't it? Because they, they don't have the opportunity sometimes to actually express those thoughts and those feelings that are deep within inside them that they've been carrying around for a long time. And to actually find somebody that is prepared to listen and to care and to not be critical of them because of that or not to judge them because of that it's really really important i think and that leads into what we've talked about before you and i about needing to be able to listen to what people are saying to be able to give them the space to be heard yeah because that that's quite a leap isn't it yeah that can that can feel alarming at some level to to really listen and, and to really um, accept and be able to validate and hold that hope for people. And I guess um, kind of in our professional roles, we've been supported to develop a solid sense that that's the right thing to do and that can be helpful. Yeah. And also we're both lucky enough to have a master a warehouse of experiences that have taught us by doing that that is helpful to do mm-hmm. to ask to listen and it's really the ultimate kind of lesson in being with someone and demonstrating that it is okay to not be okay yeah, yeah. and that things can change yeah 
And that, that sounds strange, doesn't it? Well, we don't think it's strange, but I'm sure there's a lot of people listening will feel that, why are you saying it's okay to them to be not okay? But that's part of the process, isn't it? It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel crap. It's okay to feel bad. Because once you acknowledge that, then we can look at how we can create that level of change for you to how you can turn that around and how you can change that for yourself. Because, of course, these these big moments in life and the distress and the fear and the alarm that comes with part of being human and the stuckness and not knowing what to do that is part of just being a person that we're all vulnerable to all of those things are more difficult to overcome when it's just us when it's just in our mind and all of them are able to be overcome when we take that step and share them with someone else because that's when we learn um, that these are core human experiences and that when we can't others can hold the hope Yes. when we can't others can think more clearly when we can't other people can be around to support us to make plans to keep us safe so yeah. that we keep having options and choices yeah absolutely absolutely i think one of the strong messages that i want to want to get out i'm hoping that people will have listened to what we've been talking about now and won't be so let me rephrase that people won't find it so difficult to actually say actually i just need to sit and listen to what they're saying i need to let them know that i'm here to hear what they're saying to so that they know that i really care about them and i i'm here yeah that that would be it a good conversation wouldn't it a good outcome yeah and, and i guess an extension of that would be for, for people listening that have felt like ending their life is the only option or do feel like that at times i'm hopeful that listening to us um thinking and considering about this together might um increase their their confident confidence or their openness to reaching out there are a mass of really skilled voluntary organizations and then another layer on top of that of mental health professionals who want to help and are open to listening to anything it's all on the table without judgment and with deep respect and empathy for where they're at. Helen, thank you again for this amazing conversation. I really do hope that a lot of people have found it really, really useful and can benefit from it. Yeah, I hope so too. I hope it gets people talking. These are really important conversations to have, um, not just at the time they're needed, but more generally to think about together. Yeah. It's always good blethering on with the assignment. <laughs> Thank you. And don't forget, you're going to get a residency soon, so we'll find something else for you to come on and talk about. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Helen. Bye-bye. Bye. Talking to Helen is always such a thrill. Thanks again, Helen, for your valued input. 
Don't forget, folks, to read the show notes for lots of contact details and information of organisations that you can contact if you need to talk to somebody about how you're feeling because of what you hear in the podcast or if you need to talk to somebody because of how you are feeling with your mood and your thoughts. Also, don't forget, please do hit that sponsor button in the show notes so that you can donate some money to if you care share because of the sponsored walk that i'm going to be doing and if you want to join in on the walk please do so there's details there of how to contact me and as always any comments any feedback any suggestions about what you've heard or what you want to hear please email in so that about wraps it up for this episode stay safe Look after each other and catch you soon. Bye-bye.